The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know what's nice about Wednesdays is that I don't have to think up how to start the podcast. Happy Brandon Day. Oh, happy Brandon Day. <laughs> it's really a load off. Every other day I'm like trying to figure out, let's see, how haven't I started a podcast already? I come up with a new way. Is it me griping about something? Is it just a hello? But not Wednesdays. Wednesdays, it's Brandon Day. So easy. It just makes life just go. It makes life just go. I was just saying like maybe eight seconds ago that I didn't feel like I had a full podcast in my belly, but just the announcement of Brandon Day really gets the juices going. (laughs) That's all that matters. You just just get into it and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is great. This is fun. I'm just going to talk to my friend for 45 minutes or 30 minutes, however long we go. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for leaving the door open for a short podcast. I appreciate that. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Dan Bespers, Brandon Marcus. It's Wednesday on Fantasy NBA Today. Hello, everybody. Uh, Continued team analysis month rumbling along here at the Hoob. Uh, hoop-ball.com is the website at hoopballfantasy, the Twitter handle, and of course, all of our shows, all of them, top to bottom. Every video audio podcast we do is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, hawaiianisles.com, Hawaiian Isles on Amazon, HI Kona Coffee on Twitter. Uh, another morning where I really wish that I could consume caffeine like a normal human being, but you know me, Brandon, it's ailment day also. Wednesdays. How are you doing? How are you doing, man? You've had weird ones. You've been weirder than me lately. Oh, my God. I was going to say that I think we've set a record for getting into the introduction of what the show name is and the sponsor, because it normally takes a good five to ten minutes before we finally get into it. I got gripes. (laughs) But we finally got straight into it today without complaining about various ailments. Or just random things that we tend to go off on from every Wednesday to every Wednesday. Wednesday is Brandon Day. Wednesday is also uh, Shout at the Ailment Clouds Day. Day. Yeah, it's Ailment Day, man. We got to get some things off our chest. It always reminds me of that that very old family guy where Peter gets a job on the news doing a gr- what grinds my gears. Uh, Wednesday is about what grinds our gears. So. Yeah. Let's see. You had eye surgery. You had hand, foot, and mouth disease. How are you this week? Are you back? Are you ready to rumble? I've got rumble? a contact in my left eye, so now we can see with both eyes. All We're right. Major progress here. What a and day. then the uh, yeah, the hand, foot, and mouth is uh, practically gone now. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, my um, my contact dermatitis is also almost gone. It's it's what it's. <laughs> What a time. What a time to be alive. I mean, people listening to this podcast, I hope you guys are laughing at us because that is really what this segment is about, right? Like, I'm not looking for pity. I'm looking for a laugh. No, not looking for any pity whatsoever because I'm going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's supposed to be humor, and I hope everyone thinks it's humorous. Yeah, laugh at us. Laugh at our, <laughs> laugh at how frail we are. Two 30-somethings that just cannot get through a week without falling apart. Uh how is everything else, man? What's what's life like outside of ailments? You doing all right over there? I know your computer's on its last leg. Yeah, computer's definitely on its last leg. It's very weird. I think it's A, if it's not plugged in, it just all of a sudden shows me a screen that basically someone punched the screen and then it just <laughs> restarts on me. So uh, I think it's time for a new computer because I think I got my other one in either 2011 or 2012. Um, and by other one, I mean the one I'm currently using. So it's been a good seven or eight years. That's so, a yeah, good I, think, I think it might be time for a new one. 
I used a computer for 11 years, a laptop for 11 years. And I feel like that's, that is that's a really long time. That was a Dell Inspiron M. I got my junior year of college in 2004, and I used it until 2000, late 2015. And then the computer I bought didn't even last until today. I've already had to replace that one. That one made it like two and a half years. So I guess it's all about the law of averages in this world. I got the most durable machine on earth, and then I got a relative lemon. Luckily... Uh, as long as we all keep winning fantasy leagues, I can keep replacing computers because that's what I've done each of the last two years. Took my winnings, bought a new like powerhouse desktop PC. That's what I'm using for recording stuff nowadays. And then a nice little portable laptop. You can swing around, computer on the go, do what um, whatever lascivious things you need to. <laughs> so you can just throw it away if anybody starts to track you down, and, and then we're all set to go. So uh, you may just have to pay it forward. You might have to get a new computer and then win your fantasy league and, like, put that back in the computer coffers later. Yeah, or I just win my Fantasy Baseball League. Oh, Fantasy Baseball. That's hard, man. I know, which sounds silly coming from a Fantasy Basketball guy, but there's just so many games. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, and platooning is a real thing these days, too. Although I, you know, I largely follow the Dodgers, where it's, like, the thing to do. Uh we got two teams to cover, Team Analysis Month today. The Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, it's Altitude Day. It's Brandon Day, Ailment Day, and Altitude Day on the podcast. And, and the two teams everyone's going to say is finishing top two in the West if the Lakers and Clippers don't finish top two. So, you know, uh, I, I wrote a hot take for the great Adam King over at Fantrax, and one of my hot takes was the Denver Nuggets will miss the playoffs. Whoa. Yeah, I don't actually stand behind that hot take, but I do think that they're—I do think they're going to be worse than people think this year. Wow! Uh, I was just on the podcast with LA Clippers film at LA Clippers film for my Clippers pod. Um, good plug, and, by the way. Uh, thank you very much. And we were talking <laughs> about which teams would finish one or two if the Lakers and Clippers weren't top two, and my team was Denver. So we are on very opposite sides of the spectrum there. Yeah, I'm willing to admit that that I could be completely off the mark. I just there's something about a team that proved themselves in the regular season the year before and is thoroughly focused on the playoffs the coming year where they start to sort of dial it down a couple of clicks. Uh they probably won't miss the playoffs. I just think that maybe they'll be more like a six instead of a one. So it's it's less of a hot take. But, you know, someone, Adam asked for a hot take, so I ratcheted up the steam on that bad boy. I went nuts. Yeah, well, good job. That, Thank that, you. That's yeah. what a hot take is for. I mean, if, if you're right, you sound like a genius. If you're wrong, <laughs> no one will remember. Yeah, exactly. This is That's the modern, uh, that's really the modern big box way of getting clicks these days, yeah. right? You just say something insane, and then if it's wrong, you're like, well, it was insane anyway. Yeah, uh, like Kawhi going to the Lakers is a done deal. Or Kawhi. Man, we had every hot take in that one. Oh, Literally God. every hot take except Kawhi and Paul George joined the Clippers. It's never yes. the direction you think it's going. No, absolutely never. Free agency gotta, never ends up like that. I got to give credit to Josh Lloyd on that one. Uh, his line that I've repeated many times is, as soon as you hear about it, it's dead. Basically, it's a anything, good point. Yeah, anything that you hear about is not happening. Somebody leaked it because they wanted to try to build leverage somehow. Well, just look at baseball trade deadline that just happened. I mean, everyone's like, oh, this team's interested in team player A. This team's interested in player B. It's like none of that happened. All of a sudden, Grinky ends up with the Astros. Yep. Like, how, how did that happen? Yep. The stuff that's actually happening is happening behind closed doors. They're not going to tell you about it until it's done. They don't want to yeah. jinx it or, or ruin it or blow it up or whatever might happen. So, uh, yeah, kudos, credit to Josh Lloyd. That, that's, uh, 
generally the way things work. So you want to start Utah or you want to start Denver? It doesn't really start matter. start Denver since we are just talking about Denver. All right, Denver Nuggets. Uh, the goal of this team analysis breakdown, by the way, and I've mentioned it on, on this will be the sixth episode that we've talked team breakdowns, is who will finish inside the top 100 mostly on a per-game basis. Obviously, we're going to throw in some caveats there where relevant. I, you know, I talked about Danilo Gallinari on yesterday's podcast, and he's, you know, there's always injury stuff that might come involved, uh, guys that might fall on either side depending on the situation, but, you know, we'll, we'll highlight that as it becomes relevant. Uh, Denver Nuggets, not a ton in the way of roster changes, which I usually say is a really good thing. And in a rare twist, I almost feel like they needed to do something just to kind of keep things shaking over there they got jeremy grant which is that's fine that's a big one man that's a really big one i mean it's it's a good pickup i just don't think it's the kind of thing where the team is like yes invigoration no well it gives them versatility and it gives them another guy who can play on the wing and defend and shoot the three um and it gives them a little more depth and also don't forget michael porter jr should be healthy this season should obviously in big capital letters um, and that'll add a little bit of depth as well. And remember, this guy's a lottery pick. So you put all those guys together from last year with that starting core of the Murray, Moore, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. And then you have those guards that were great last year off the bench, too. And I, I like them a lot. So I'm a little bit lower on Jamal Murray than other people are. And maybe that's another reason where I'm not completely sold on this team blowing everybody out of the water. Uh, I'm high on it. I'm it, very high on him. It seemed like they went as he went in the playoffs last year. Yes. And, uh, the regular season, you know, it's such a different beast. Uh, here's here's my thought process. I'm going to explain my, my hot take background, and then we're going to dig into the fantasy stuff on this team, is uh, they played exceptional defense last year. Their offense is always going to be fine. They have enough weapons on that team. Jokic is a wizard. But the defense is what really separated them last season, and that's all about regular season effort. So that's where my concern is. Is the effort on the defensive side during the regular season going to be where it was last year? And I, I don't think that's the case. So that's why I think some of those close ball games kind of flip the opposite direction. Anyway, I uh, just felt like I needed to uh, kind of elucidate my, my position on that thing. Nikola Jokic, we'll just start at the top. Uh, he's obviously inside the top 100. That's not the question mark with him. Question mark with Jokic is, how high is he? Last year, he was number 13, Brandon, in nine cat. On a per-game basis, he played in 80 out of their 82 games, which is pretty darn special. 20, 11, and 7. One and a half steals, .7 blocks, good percentages. One of those guys that just does a whole bunch of everything. Can he be a first-rounder is my question for you. Can he actually get over that cusp and get inside the top 10 on a per game? Yeah, 100%. You and I discussed this. We were talking about who we would take top five, and then we were trying to figure out six through eight, six through nine, and we brought up Jokic's name. So, yeah, I absolutely think he's a top 10 guy this year. What is it in his stat set that jumps a little bit that allows him to get into that point? Or is it the opposite side where Kevin Durant not going to be in there, uh, maybe Nick Vucevic tails off a little bit, maybe Kyrie Irving. Now, well, I mean, he's going to be going nuts in Brooklyn, so that's not a great example. Are guys going to be moving out of the way in front of him, or is he actually going to be taking another step forward? Both. I mean, you saw in the playoffs what he's capable of. He was an absolute monster in the playoffs, putting together like 35, 10, and 10 games. So he's very capable of that. Obviously, he got some more minutes. So I, I think it's possible that he gets maybe one or two extra minutes this year. 
And with that, the production goes up. I will give you this as a, a point in the Brandon pro Jokic camp. Uh, he was like infinitesimally small uh, statistical improvements away from moving from 13 to 10. Uh, normally, these guys up at the top are clustered pretty tight, but the Jokic, Dame, Vooch run there are all were all basically valued at the same amount. So he could have jumped them with, you know, the little the littlest thing. If his seven point three assists was like seven point seven, that probably would have been enough to move him over it. Or twenty points was twenty two. So it really wouldn't take much for him to actually be uh, in that tail end of the first round, as opposed to the very start of the second. And here's another thing that I like for him, and you'll probably agree with this. We always talk about safe picks. Jokic is a very safe pick mid to yep. late first round because even if he underachieves, which is what you might call last year, I mean, that's like really splitting hairs, he's still giving you 20, 11, and 7, and he's not hurting you anywhere. The only thing he's not doing from a big man position is getting you blocked. So, you know, you go hunt that somewhere else. He's a really easy guy to plop into your fantasy team because he helps everywhere. Yep. Rather have Jokic or Kyrie? Jokic. See, that, that that basically solidifies top 10 right there. Yeah, I, mostly because of the durability, frankly, on yes. that front. Right. Uh, Jokic or Joel Embiid, I think, is a better question. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I would probably say Embiid. Yeah, I think I'm now with you. That Butler um, doesn't have, it's not Butler and Harris. Horford, too. I mean, they may limit minutes. I'm with you. And I even that's despite the injury stuff. Embiid's ceiling is just so insanely high. Yeah. It's tough though. Uh absolutely. Very tough. Both those guys are probably gonna go in the in the six to ten range, I would think, of drafts. How come how come Dame never gets into that? He's just like the same number eleven pick every single year, and he's he's just such an easy pick. one. There's a safe pick. Yeah, he's the ultimate safe pick. All right, so Jokic is an easy one. I mean, that's where he's going. You can take him in there. I probably wouldn't expect him to get into the top five. I also wouldn't expect him to fall outside the top, you know, thirteen or fourteen. He's a really easy. Yeah, and that's what you want from your first round or towards the end of the first round. You want somebody that you know is going to end up in that top twelve when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. And barring injury, he's going to be there. Whereas you can easily draft somebody that's probably sixth or seventh that could fall to 25 or 30. And that could be the difference between you winning your league or losing your league. Yeah. You need a guy in that range that has some upside, but no downside. Correct. That's the key. Uh, you I mean, you're because you're not going to get one of those top three or four guys, most likely. Uh, Paul George was sort of this weird exception last year. But that's a similar guy where there was almost no downside and there was some upside. As it turned out, there was more upside than most of us expected on uh, on Paul George. Who do you think is... This is a tough question, actually, for me. Who do we think is actually the number two nine-cat guy on this Denver Nuggets team at the end of this season? Because there's a lot of guys that could get into that mix. Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, uh, Jeremy Grant, who was actually pretty good last year, Will Barton, Jamal Murray. There, what did, I, did I just list five guys? You did. You did. That, that's why I'm saying this. Te- this seems very fantasy friendly. There was a point last year where on one of my teams, I had Millsap, Murray, Harris, and Barton. Mm. I had four guys. I mean, they score a lot of points. And one thing that you got to realize is that they have an extreme home court advantage. So it's going to be tough for a team like Denver to miss the playoffs when all these teams are going to Denver in altitude and it becomes a major advantage for them. So uh, to answer your question, though, 
I think it's Jamal Murray. Do you know how old he is? Not old. He's like 21, right? He's 22. Yeah. yeah. He's so young, and he keeps taking steps forward. I don't see why he can't take that next step forward. So, uh, interesting little footnote, and this is obviously one of these guys who's on a different team. Uh, nine cat, Jamal Murray was number 79 last year. Jeremy Grant was number 74. Yeah. That blew my mind. Well, Grant uh, had a bigger role in Oklahoma yes. City, I think, he's going to have in Denver. Uh, I'm assuming he's backing up Paul Millsap. Yes. And playing sort so of too. like a backup three, four, five, whatever they need him at. He's a good pick, by the way, because Millsap's going to get hurt at some point. Yeah, he's missing like three months every year these days. Yeah. Uh, where the hell did Millsap end is the next question. Number 81. So a lot of these guys were clustered in that same group. Uh, Will Barton and Gary Harris had wildly underachieving seasons. So that's another little wrinkle to throw into this mix. Uh, Especially Barton, because Barton started off really well, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And, and he never quite he got, got back. Yep. Yeah, that was not good. Because he, he was really games. good to start. Uh, he played 43 games last year, so that'll... That obviously put a big dent into you. Uh, 11 and a half points, down four points from the previous year. Rebounds, oddly enough, were similar, despite playing about six fewer minutes. Uh, assists were down by one. Steals went from one to .4. I don't know what ha- what the hell happened there. Yeah, uh, he's a bounce-back candidate for me. He's a massive bounce-back candidate. And uh, the only issue is there are, when healthy, which is we don't know how long with this team, when healthy, there are a lot of mouths to feed on this club. Yes and no. I mean, not as much in the front court as there is in the back court. Because last year we saw when guys like Murray got hurt and Harris got hurt, then you saw Monte Morris and Malik Beasley both actually ended up being fantasy relevant. Right. So they still have those guards there. I was actually surprised that they kept both those guys. Um, but they have a lot of guards, but I still think you're going to see the starters get minutes. And they do a nice job of putting everybody on the floor and mixing guys up so that they all get their minutes. So I'm not too afraid of drafting any of the starters for Denver. That So do we think that the starting lineup is what it was sort of projected to be last year, which would be yes. uh, Jamal Murray at point, Gary Harris, is he the shooting guard? Yeah, Harris at the two, Barton at the three, Millsap and Jokic. Yeah, I think all five of those guys could have fantasy value. I don't know that Jeremy Grant actually cracks the top 100 this year as a reserve. I don't think so either unless Millsap gets hurt. Yeah, it would have to be a big one too. Yeah. Jeremy Grant played uh, averaged 33 minutes a game last season. There's almost no, again, barring a Millsap three-month absence, there's almost no way he gets up to that level of of activity this year. I mean, you're, I, th- I would think that Max would be like 27. That sounds right. Yeah, and that and I mean he's a guy that needs to be. He sort of profiles. I know he's not an old man, but he sort of profiles as an old man squad type of player because you know good field goal percent, free throw not great, but he doesn't take many. Gets you some rebounds, gets you some steals, gets you some blocks, gets you some threes. He does a little bit of a bunch of things without really hurting you and kind of quietly in general. But those guys actually just need to be on the floor to be a factor. He's not a guy that can just pile it up in twenty one minutes. Like a you know like a Mitchell Robinson could last year per se, um, so I think I'm gonna wipe him out of my top 100, and it might just be the starting five. But then we wonder about a guy like a Gary Harris. How hard can he bounce back? Because he was also pretty brutal last year. Yeah, and his 
there were games that he had that were really, really good. I mean, he was hitting four or five threes. He would get three or four steals in a game, um, and he was really helping you out. And then he just posted a bunch of clunkers, and also he was hurt. Um, so the, the ability is there. The, the question is, if all five guys are going to be fantasy-friendly, then you got to think, well, how many points per game is this team going to average, and what is everybody <laughs> going to do to help? I mean, because you know Jokic, I think Jokic ends up probably increasing his points per game by like two per game. And then where's everything else going? I don't know. Maybe Millsap takes a step down and that's when the guards pick up the slack. I think that's a possibility as well. I think Gary Harris might be one of those guys that has a per game number inside the top 100, but a totals number outside of it because he really hasn't played. He had one season where he played 76 games. The other four NBA years for him. 55, 57, 67, and 57. He's never been on the floor. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, yeah that, 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 no thank you. If I'm going to draft a guy late, I want a guy that I think is going to be on the floor that's going to help me production-wise. Yeah, at least Barton had mostly been on the floor like two of the last three years prior yeah. to the, the abdominal stuff this last season. The question I, really does become where these guys get drafted. And honestly, I haven't a clue outside of... Outside of Jokic, I don't know where Jamal Murray's going to get drafted. I mean, he, like I just mentioned, he finished it, you know, top 80 this last year in nine cat. Uh, I would guess he goes fourth round. Yeah, he's going to go a lot earlier than that, I would think. Yeah, I, I would guess he goes fourth or fifth round. So I probably And that's a guy him. that if you don't grab a point guard early, you're very happy grabbing in that spot. I don't uh, think I'm going to end up with him almost anywhere because I'd be looking at him more in that 50 to 75 range, and he's probably yeah. not going to fall that far. Well, that, that might be a guy that you reach for a little bit. Like a, that, When I say you're happy grabbing him, that's something that you're okay like going grabbing a point guard in round five that is, I think, could be top 50. You think his field goal percent number comes back a little bit? It's been bouncing around a tad his first three years. Yeah, yeah he's all over the place. There, there are games where he goes 12 for 18, and then there are games where he goes 4 for 16. <laughs> yes, there um, are. <laughs> so he really is all over the place. I mean, I think he ended up hit hitting like eight threes in a game last year. Like he, when he gets hot, he gets hot and, and it's tough to stop him. So pl- that plus the assists and some steals. Um, I don't know. How many steals did he average per game last year? 0.9. Yeah. See, I think he can increase that a little bit. Be nice. Be nice yeah. if he would. I, I just like a guy that's that young and that many NBA players think is very good and they all like his potential. I just think you have to try with a guy like that. Yeah, I, I just get this feeling he's a little bit more score than other stuff. And you know how That's I possible. feel about those types of guys. <laughs> I gravitate yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would look more at some of these other nuggets that are, you know, Will Barton a little more well-rounded. But again, you know, we're hoping for a bounce back on that front. Paul Millsap has been an interesting case study. Let's let's talk about him briefly before we move on to the Utah Jazz. Uh, Millsap obviously get getting a little long in the tooth. I'm still older than Paul, so you know I guess there's that. Um, and I always will be, Paul. Did you know that Basketball Reference has his nickname listed as the Anchor Man? I'd never heard that before. What? Had anyone ever called him the Anchor Man? No, I no. don't think so, Ron Burgundy. Yeah, that sounds that sounds totally made up. Uh, his last three seasons, 69, 38, 70 games played um, after being 
between 73 and 81, his previous four seasons, I worry it's less of an anomaly and more of a trend at this point because he was actually extremely durable the first decade of his NBA career and the last three seasons he has been a bit less so. I mean, guys he's getting, start to get old. Yeah, he's getting old. He's, he's breaking down the games that he gets off. Um, he's another guy that, that was very productive when he was on the floor and you'll look up and he'll have three blocks in a game. Yeah. Um, and he's got three steals with it and he's really helping your team and he'll have those types of games. But then again, you also have to have him on the floor and that's tough. His best season in Atlanta, believe it or not, was only four years ago. He was sort of was, he hit his prime and then he kind of came down off of it pretty quickly. He averaged 17, nine and three with 1.8 steals and 1.7 blocks and one yeah. three-pointer. Yeah, he's, he's very capable of it. There's no doubt. That was quite a year. Uh, this last season, like you said, despite the fact that he seems to be slowing, uh, still averaged two combined steals and blocks. 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks. Uh, low 70s free throw percent throughout his career. That's probably not changing at this point. Hit almost a three-pointer a game. Still shot 48.5% from the field. So there's still a little something in the tank, but it does seem like the minutes are coming down. Where would you consider drafting a guy like Paul Millsap? Because like I mentioned uh, just a bit ago, he ended up right around top 80, only missed 12 games, which sounds lower than the number that it felt like (laughs) this last season. Uh, I mean, that seems like a pretty reasonable target area for him, right? Seventh round? Yeah, something in that neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. What's that, 73 to 84? That's a very safe pick. I mean, there are going to be guys in that area that you think could end up in top 50 range. More likely than not, he's not going to be top 50, Paul Millsap. No, he's a he's a low uh, P-value guy there, right? He's a small yeah. standard deviation. If you draft You're not him aiming at, high with that pick. No, if you draft him at 80, you know he's going to land between 70 and 90. Yes. But that's okay, though. Like, sometimes those are guys you can use. If you took a couple risks in the 50 to 70 range, maybe that's the time to say, all right, you know what? I'm going to get a nice little plug-and-play guy here. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Okay, so Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, those guys, are we in agreement, are definitely inside the top 100 at the end of the year? Yes. Okay. Will Barton, is he a yes or a no for you? Yes. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think he gets back inside. But I don't think it's top 50 like he did when the whole team was hurt two years ago. I think it's more like what we were just talking about with Millsap, more like the 80 range. Yeah, I think that's possible. Gary Harris. Mm. I don't know. I know. <laughs> we got to plant our flag in something here, though. Uh, oh, so let's think. I'm going to say yes. I was going to say he'll, be, he'll probably be right there. It, it, like in the 90 to 110 range. Yeah, I think he's I think he's shaping up to be a Dan Vespers old man squad game, but with com- massive injury issues. So maybe it doesn't matter because I don't think either of us is drafting him. He's too hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if he's not going to be on the floor, he's not going to help you. He's too hurt. He doesn't play more than 60 games. Maybe this is the year that he proves everybody wrong. He could be because he is kind of a distressed asset, but I feel like people still thought he had a good year. Uh, even though he most assuredly did not. So he might go... I'm very curious. He's the guy in that bunch that I'm most interested in the ADP on because I really don't know how the public feels about Gary Harris. Do I don't they think it's like as high as you think. Yeah, I hope you're right. 
Because if he falls precipitously, then yeah, I'll take him because there's an upside chasing move there. Uh, right. Although you're more of a head-to-head guy and I'm more of a roto guy, so this might be a spot where you're like, there's no point at which I'd take a guy playing 55 games. And for me, it's like, well, if I get 55 out of him and then he calls it a year, then I'll just cast him into this scrap heap and pick somebody else up. Yeah, but that's obviously a t- tough thing in terms of when he's going to be hurt and how he's going to affect your team. And right. there was a point last year on one of your teams, I remember you had six or seven guys that were either hurt yeah. long-term <laughs> or they were in day-to-day. Yeah, thanks yeah, for reminding me. I did post a brutal. screenshot of that. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, that was rough. I was cruising, man. I was coasting along in that league, and then all of a sudden... I, And that was a games cap league, too, so it was like, oh, boy, I really just have to weather this storm you don't yeah. want to do anything rash because you know you can catch up in games later. If that was a head-to-head league, I probably would have had to drop one or two of those guys. Because you just if you're taking that many zeros, you're going to lose eight to right. one, seven to two every week. Yeah, you're screwed. Oof. All right, so let's go. I'm going five players end the season inside the top 100. Okay, uh, I'll go five, but I think it's going to be a toss-up between um, Harris and Grant. Yeah, I think Grant will be point. just outside the top 100. All right, so you're almost not. six. You're at like 5.8. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm close to that. All right, the Utah Jazz. That we're, we're bouncing altitudes here. Uh, I love the moves Utah made this offseason. From a reality standpoint, I think that's a team that's pretty damn hungry. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. The only thing is, when I was looking at their depth chart, there's not a much of it. Kind of weak. Yeah, that's a good point. There, there aren't that many guys waiting like, in the wings. Their bench is bad they're they're backups because obviously i think they're going to start with conley mitchell ingles bogdanovich and gobert i think will be their, their starting five and if you do that then exum moutier ed davis yeah, that's the only one. jeff green yeah ed davis is really the only one of those guys i like exactly and ed davis is obviously huge if gobert ever gets hurt but i mean that's a not a good bench. Yeah, that bench is weird and young, mostly. Yeah. Not like you actually trust that team to end up as the number one seed. I I don't think so because normally a good bench is important for a team that ends up as a number one or number two seed. Yeah, that's true. You do need to have the depth to make it through the long NBA regular season. And Gobert has missed games here and there. By the way, as we're recording this podcast, I'm getting my third call from the same telemarketer. Uh, somewhere about 80 miles east of us. I don't know if anybody listening to the podcast has gotten the one that's claiming that there's uh, <laughs> there are police trying to track you down. That one's, uh, that one's one of my favorites. Mine's usually student debt. It's like, <laughs> dude, I, I, no thanks. I, I, you're, you're calling the wrong person. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, my, my police record is quite long. So Yeah, uh, I mean, what you did in Bakersfield will go unsaid. We don't, spe- we, yeah, we, we don't speak of this. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce a lot of the names on the Utah Jazz bench. That's how unusual and, and not well-known these guys are. That's what I'm saying, man. I don't know. Everyone's all over Utah, and I was too until I just looked at their depth chart this morning, and I was like, this team is a Donovan Mitchell injury away from not being very good. Yeah, if they suffer two injuries at the same time, they could go through a really bad spell. I yeah. think they could. I think they could weather one. Because it could be more of a Conley offense, if sure, uh, or a more of a Mitchell offense, depending on which one of them on the floor. They could yeah. choose to bring Ingles off the bench if they want to have sort of a different. He could run a different unit as another ball handling type. You could do that, and you could start Royce O'Neal. 
yeah, get him more of a like a bigger guy in there or something. I mean, I like Joe Ingles too. He's defensively, he's actually uh, surprisingly good. Uh, they they are a little bit more built for the playoffs. You're right because there's sort of like five six guys that are going to see significant minutes, and then other guys it's kind of like well, I don't know, maybe. So okay, let's dig into the fantasy side of this thing. Uh, Rudy Gobert, that's a pretty obvious one. He finished last year at number 16, 16 points, 13 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, 0.8 steals, so over three combined defensive stats. Uh, only took nine shots a game. That probably won't change much. Shot 67% on them and also shot beneath that, 64% at the free throw line on a needlessly high volume, 6.4 bad free throw attempts per game. Uh... He feels like a guy that doesn't necessarily need to move all that much. I don't know. I'm, I'm the free throw thing does hurt me with Rudy. That's a lot of missed free throws. Yeah, Rudy hurt my feelings a couple of years ago when I had him and he got hurt, um, and he hurt me towards the end of the season. So uh, I backed off of him last year, and of course he was unbelievable. That does yeah. tend to happen when a guy <laughs> hurts your feelings, and then the next year he just turns out to be unbelievable and stays on the floor. Um, yeah. 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 Played 81 I, games last year. Too. That's a pretty safe big, though. I, I mean, he is second round guy. Yeah. Like, that's a guy you know what you're going to get from him, and he's going to help you in points, rebounds, blocks. Like, that, those are going to be very good. He's going to have a good field goal percentage, and it's a very good number one center to have. You better pair him with someone like a Damian Lillard who's making 91% of six and a half free throws. Yeah. Because otherwise, or your your only move there is just make sure no one else on your roster is clanging free throws below like a 76%. That's the, that's the way to do it. You either build out the rest of your roster in a very consistent and not overwhelming fashion, or you try to get one or two big-time free throw dudes to counterbalance that out. Those guys are not a bad pair, by the way. I just threw those names out there sort of hypothetically, but... You know, going with the Dame-Rudy combo, you sort of cancel out each of their bad things with the other one's good one, and you cover a lot of your you cover a lot of your bases. Uh, yeah, that's actually a pretty good team to start off with. I mean, you've got pretty much all categories covered there. Yeah, you really do. Steals maybe a tiny bit on the low side at the end of those two guys, but like, I mean, that's a pretty easy one to make up for. But anyway, we're, I guess I'm, I'm getting off topic here. I think you and I both agree he's finishing inside the top 100. That's an easy one. Uh, second round pick, basically. I mean, would you take him any earlier? You're not going to no. get him in the first, right? No. No. Okay, that's an easy one. Uh, the rest of the names on this roster, I think, are a little bit harder to handle. Um, we'll start with Donovan Mitchell, because last year he was a darling for uh, a lot of folks. I don't want to... <laughs> People are going to think I'm calling out my buddy Adrian Benjamins, who, who hosts our Friday episode here. He was a massive Donovan Mitchell proponent, and I kept telling him, I don't like... The field goal percent is going to have to come way up. It has to change if he's going to take that next leap, and it didn't. But we've put more offensively-minded guys around him. It feels like there's going to be infinitely more space on this team to operate this coming season. Boyan Bogdanovich instead of Derek Favors, that's a lot of room to move around. Uh, Mike Conley instead of Ricky Rubio, that's more room to move around as well. Uh, as low as I was on Donovan Mitchell last year, I'm actually a little bit higher on him this season. He also was really good at the end of the year last year. He was. If I remember correctly, in the last couple of months, he was awesome he started off really poorly 
but he rebounded really nicely. So I think that's a guy that is going to get good experience from Team USA and learned a lot at the end of last year. And going into his third year, I, re- I like him a lot. He's a really good ball player, and he's going to be needed a lot on this team to do various different things. The uh, month of... I'm trying to sort this out by uh, when things happen, and I'm, I'm struggling to do so. I, I believe... I believe that you're right, and I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. I'll try to pull them up as we go here. But he was he was awfully impressive late in the season. In fact, the very last game he played in, they skipped their final game in uh, L.A. against your Clippers. They hosted Denver, won it, and Donovan had 46-7-4, his last regular season game of the year. Um, he had a couple of clunkers mixed in there, but Utah largely was winning games. He was playing better. He finished last year as number 55 after being kind of in the 70-something range for like the first four months. So that right there tells you that as the season was winding down, he was much more of a top 50, top 40 guy. Uh, yeah. And I, I I mean, despite the addition of more players and, and the idea that maybe that would cut into his volume, I, I actually think the, the improvement in shot selection probably weighs out the drop in volume uh, more than the other way around. How do you feel on that side with him? That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, there was a point last year where he was being asked to do everything. When Rubio was out, he was basically the only guard that could be relied on because, I mean, Ingles was there too, but I just Ingles is what he is. He's not going to go and shoot a bunch. I mean, Mitchell had to shoot a bunch and take the offensive load off everybody else for the most part. Uh, so, yeah, I think having those guys there and Bogdanovich and Conley allows Mitchell to be a little more selective and get more open shots. I finally managed to pull up the numbers. Last 25 games of the year, he was number 40 in nine cat and higher than that in eight. Uh, Average 27 points, four and a half, four and a half on both rebounds and assists. A steal, three three pointers on 45 and a half percent shooting from the field and 82 at the free throw line uh, on almost six per game. That feels... Uh, outside of the the scoring, it was a bit, uh, probably a bit high there. I don't think he's going to average twenty six and a half points with all the guys around him. Uh, but the the top forty target feels a little bit more reasonable. I still can't understand why folks were taking him at like sixteen last year. That was that you, you price him out, even if you think he's going to be a second rounder. Taking him that early, there's nowhere there's nowhere up for him to go. Yeah, that's really high. I think I would take him in the forties this year. That's fair. I'd love it that's if it was later, but I don't think it's getting any later. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good rough estimate for him. Mike Conley. Uh, he was number 27 with Memphis oh, last we'll year. see now? Mike Conley is 85 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in the NBA for a dozen years. He uh, is the longest tenured basketball player on this Utah Jazz roster. One year longer, by the way, than Jeff Green who's on a veteran's minimum. Uh, Mike Conley came into the NBA when he was a 20-year-old in 2007, and he's been a little bit banged up. Never like, I mean, he, he missed most of the 2017-18 season. For the most part, he just sort of misses like 10 games a year, and that's his thing. He's a guy that has to take a big hit, right? Like, he's not going to get 16 shots a game with this Utah team. I, I've got to think that the... He's not going to be running the offense most of the time. He's going to have to share that load. Even if you think he still plays a big role, it can't possibly be as big as it was when he was the lead dog with the Grizzlies, can it? 
No, because th- there was a point where it was just him and Gasol, and then Gasol got dealt, <laughs> yeah. and it was just and it was just him uh, with Val with Um You know, it's one of those things where I, I think maybe his assist numbers do go up, and so the question is, do his assist numbers go up enough to counterbalance the points drop? I'm gonna think no. I, I yeah. think the volume's got to hurt him more. Not. He was number twenty-seven. How far does he fall this coming year? I think he's in the 40s, too. Oh, I was going to say lower. I was going to probably say 50, 55. Yeah, that's reasonable. I could put him in between 40 and 55. That's not a, I mean, that's not a crazy window. That's a safe point guard to grab late, though. Here's a yes, question. Would you have Jamal Murray or Mike Conley? I think I'd go Mike Conley okay. for the more point guardy stats. More assists, more steals. Uh, you're probably going to get more scoring out of Murray this year. Mike Conley, yeah. also a really good foul shooter. Both those guys, very good at the free throw line. So you're, it's sort of a wash there. Uh, I, think, I think I'd go Conley, despite the, very, despite the obvious edge to Jamal Murray on the durability side as well. Depends on the makeup of your team. If you have yeah. a lot of safe guys already, then I'm happy taking Jamal Murray and hoping he gets it into a top 25 and if you're good on assists, you could probably lean Jamal Murray as well. Right. Because Conley most likely out-assists him this year. Uh, Jokic is going to be doing a good job to eat up most of the passing on that on that Denver roster. Right. Um, okay, so those three guys are not easy. I mean, they're easy inside the top 100, but not necessarily easy where they land. Getting into the... The uh, Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich. Do we even need to talk about anybody beyond those dudes? We don't, right? No. 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 Ed Davis is an immediate pickup if Gobert gets hurt. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but he'll be playing, you know, 15, 16 minutes most games. Yes. So that's not going to be enough. Uh, Moutier, Jeff Green, uh, Dante Exum, Royce O'Neal. I don't think... I know that people are kind of into Royce O'Neal. I'm not. Do you have any opinion on him either way? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had like two games where he looked pretty good when he was doing some fill-in stuff, but even in between those, he had a couple games where he was terrible. His, his stat set has not shown itself to be ultra-fantasy-friendly yet. He's not going to get enough minutes. No. Uh, he needs someone to get hurt as well, and even then, it's not necessarily a guaranteed thing. Okay, so uh, we were mentioning how good Donovan Mitchell was after the All-Star break. Joe Ingles was equally awesome late in the season. Uh he was more like a top 115 guy for the first three and a half months, and then he was more like a top 70 guy the rest of the way. Uh, his game, I don't know what happened. It was almost just like everybody settled in on that Jazz team. But well, He moved to point guard, too. Yeah, he there, did do there, more ball There was handling. a stretch there where he was playing the point. So he's got to take a hit this year, doesn't he? Probably. Yeah, probably. Because he's not the main three-point shooter. When you have Bogdanovich there, and you have Mitchell there, and you have Conley there, I mean, uh, there's a lot of offense there. Um, Ingles is a guy that does help everywhere, though, and gets you points, rebounds, assists, steals. So the only thing is his field goal percentage could be really bad game to game. So, yeah, I think he's right there top one, around top 100, though. Yeah, I think the, the, the negatives with Ingles are that he's probably going to see assists dip a little bit. Uh, yeah. The positive would be if he's really playing against second units, and we'll see how that shakes out 
he should be able to just carve people apart. You know, his per minute should be higher playing mm-hmm. against cr- clunkier defenses. Uh, and like you said, across the board, that's a positive for him. And he had a career worst free throw percent last year. That's a number that may actually come back this season. He shot 71%. He's a career 74%, which again, not great. Uh, not even really good, but better than it was this last year. Hit 2.33 pointers. That's another thing that he'll throw into the mix and doesn't take that many shots. So uh, even if he's not that great from the field, it's, it's not going to be a, a big ding on you. Uh, when all was said and done this last season, Joe Ingles finished the year as number 98. <laughs> so he just, just barely slipped inside the top 100. And... Yeah, that's what you just said. Probably just inside the top 100. That's that's probably not a crazy thing to to pin it on because if free throw comes up, assists maybe take a, t- a slimy hit, that, that probably evens out. Yeah, that's a guy that I'm fine taking uh, later on. I think he's just sitting there and people continue to pass on him. I'm happy taking him. And they will. He'll probably get drafted in the 90s. Yeah. He's a safe 90s pick. He's a safe if you're an auction. I mean, I got him last year for a buck. Uh, I'm oh, fine wow. getting him for a buck again. Yeah, I would think so. You can't go any lower. Yeah. Mm. What about Boyan Bogdanovich? That's a guy that I haven't really followed much, but I know is good. Like it, it's I've never had him. He has a but kooky I stats. Against him, and he kicked my ass. Yeah. Uh, throttles me every time I'm against him in a head-to-head league. Yeah. Uh, but a very goofy stat set because uh, he averaged 18 points and two three-pointers last year on 50% shooting. That's yeah, not easy to do. There aren't that many guys hitting two three-pointers and shooting 50% from the field. Uh, 81% at the foul line on about four per game, so that's also a slight positive. Low turnover numbers. That'll also continue, but almost doesn't do anything in the other categories. Four How many rebounds. rebounds does he have? Four for a power forward last year. Well, I guess yeah. he played small forward a lot. Uh, he and Thad Young a little bit interchangeable on that, that indie 3-4 slot. Uh, but 18 and 5 with three threes, that's that, that's really helpful. Uh 0.9 steals and zero blocks. Yeah. He didn't good. even get onto the register on the block shot department. Like he couldn't even get the Dirk Nowitzki slap down block. Uh it's a weird stat set, man. There aren't that many guys out there that are good at points, threes, and both percentages. Yeah. That's goofy. That's like if you took all of Clay Thompson's other stuff away from his game. Yeah, he he's helpful. If you have other guys, let's say a guy like Robert Covington, that's going to give you steals and blocks. Um, he's a good guy to balance him out with. Yeah, he's the guy that my team probably needs because I go too heavy on the Dan Bespris old men. Yes, that's, that's actually like, spot on. I have no scoring. I have a ton of, of rebounding, steals, blocks, uh, my turnovers are low already, and then it's just like, oh, I need a guy that's going to score and keep my percentages afloat. Hello, Boyan. But, he, I mean, he could probably see 13 shots with this Utah team, right? That's what he was taking in Indy. Somewhere in there, 12, 13? Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair, especially if they're going to figure out their bench and these guys are going to be put where they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not dispersed, where they're moved around, where some are coming off the bench and some are working with the second unit, and it's just... I just think that they're going to be mixed with the reserves because you can't have that all bench. I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, and they already have two guys in Ingles and Gobert that do their damage without taking many shots. 
Yeah. You got Mitchell and Conley are going to be the volume guys. And then you're going to need someone else to take a damn shot out there. So it'll be Boyan. Now, I should mention, despite all of these good and bad things we've mentioned about Bogdanovich, he finished at 95 last year, which is kind of Because he went through the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's just kind of a specialist and a weird one. Yeah, he was added in one of my leagues. He's a guy that was streamed here and there. Um, and I think it was a 10-team league. But then he was held on to once he got hot because there was a week where he just absolutely went scorched earth. And it was mm-hmm. against me um, where I was close in threes and the guy was hitting four or five per game. But it, it just depends on your team. I think roster construction is important when you're in your draft, realizing what you have and what you don't have. Isn't that OK? I know I'm, I'm peeling away from our fantasy discussion for a second, but isn't it kind of funny? Because as you were telling that story, I was looking back on a similar thing that happened to me last year it actually happened to me two years ago when Boyan wasn't even as good where uh he was just he blew up and of course it was against it was against my team and for you it happened last year and isn't it kind of funny to look back after the season is over and realize that one of the names you cursed in the middle of the year was Boyan Bogdanovich yep you're just like (laughs) I don't know I'm looking back on it like oh yeah there was a Saturday where I was like effing Boyan well, because I knew the matchup was close, and so I was looking on Saturday and Sunday and being like, okay, well, so I'm up this amount of threes, or I'm only down by a couple threes. Like, these, he only has these guys. Like, they're not that great. <laughs> and then I look on Sunday, and Bogdanovich has four or five threes. I'm like, what the hell? You're like, Where does come from? He hasn't hit more than three threes all in the last two months. Yeah, Boyan, we got it out for you, dude. Look out. Does he finish inside the top 100 with this Utah team? I'm actually inclined to say not quite. No, I think he's right there, though. Yeah, it's got to be because any tiny hit he takes at 95 last year, you can drop 10 to 15 spots with the tiniest little change. All yeah, these guys and you also got to keep in mind that I just put, I think, five guys from Denver in the top 100 or right near it. So, And there are many other teams in the league. So it's that, that's the funny thing about the top 100 is that there are so many different teams. If you average it out, it can only be about three per team. Yep. Some of them are not going to have very many, obviously. Um and some will have several. Yep. Easy enough. I mean, and then, it, you know, so we're planting our flag in these things. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the last day of the regular season, Bogdanovich could have a huge game and leap into the top 100 and knock one of these other guys, Gary Harris, out of it. You know, it, it takes really one game. So yeah. it's an arbitrary cutoff. I know picking 100 is arbitrary, but I think it's it's giving people an idea of guys that should be rostered effectively in most like 10, 12-ish, 10 to 12 team leagues. That's really yeah. more what this is about. Uh, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's good enough to be rostered, even if he does finish just outside the top 100. So that probably gives this team five guys again. Or four? No, uh, five. Yeah. Right there. Ingles and Bogdanovich are sort of the should be rostered, but there will be some stretches where you're thinking, I don't really want this guy starting. And then, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. Those guys will obviously be in your starting lineup. So it is really five. And it's the starters. It's the starters because there's just no one backing them up. And that's why you're able to have five because there's nobody on the bench that you trust. Yep. To get minutes. Well, we picked 10 today. So at some point along the way, we're going to have to have a team with like one guy inside the top one. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. This team's got nothing. There's that would be really hard. That would be awfully difficult. The Knicks almost pulled it off, but that's a tough one to have zero guys in the top 100. Yeah. 
you really have to be bad. And you have to be bad and have like 13 guys that are all equally bad on your team. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. That would be actually really impressive. I want to start a fantasy league. The uh, Brewski was telling me about it. They're called whack fantasies. I haven't heard too many people playing them anymore, where you try to get as many guys in your lineup doing as little as possible. So the most minutes played and the lowest total stat output. That sounds fun to me. What? Yeah. Whack fantasy. That is whack. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's basically like the Shane Battier league. That's so weird. Can you play 36 minutes and get like four points and a rebound? That's impressive. Yeah. It's hard to do. Target the Lakers that are, that are on the floor with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of standing in the corner. But they're going to hit some threes at a high percentage, though. That's, That's true. It's not that whack enough. <laughs> it's not whack enough. You need, guys, you need guys on a team where the superstar doesn't know how to pass, which is I don't know who at this point. We didn't plan for this part of the podcast. Oh, we didn't. We prep for the whack discussion. One of these <laughs> weeks, one of these weeks, we're gonna do a whack show. That'll be a lot of fun, actually. I'll see if I can get other people. It'll make it like a group, a group effort. A uh, group whacking. A group. <laughs> it's all about load management this year, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you guys are no longer listening to the show. It's been a good run. Uh, BD Marcus. I didn't give your Twitter handle earlier in the show. Uh, check out the Clippers pod, everybody. We have all sorts of new things going on in Hoopball. We got a Clippers show that you debuted two weeks ago. We got a, the Kings pod is back from the grave. I always think of uh, Altered Beast, the, the Sega game from like 1989. Rise from your grave. Damian Barley, Sacramento area uh, talk radio host, is actually hosting the uh, the Hoopball Sack Kings podcast. That started yesterday. So with that, with your show, with Ethan's Lakers show, Najee and Hunter on the Nets, we've got four team podcasts rolling right now. You can check them all out at hoop-ball.com. Click on the podcast tab where you can just uh, search for them on iTunes. That should uh, also work as well. Uh, Brandon, we know when the next Clipper show is coming out. When's the next episode people can look forward to? Hopefully at some point this week. Uh, my computer's been giving me some problems. I somehow survived this uh, this entire episode without it screaming yeah, at me. That's good. Uh, I'm wanting to blow up, but hopefully this week, if not late this week, it'll be early next week. Perfect. Yeah, we got to get you a functional PC over there. Uh, he is Brandon Marcus. I'm Dan Baspers at Dan Baspers on Twitter. Thank you once again to our good buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. They'll also be, by the way, a sponsor of our Hoopball Draft Guide, which is coming out in less than two weeks. More news Woo. on that. Yeah, I know. Panda and his crew over on the writing side are going bananas on that thing. Uh, I will have more details on that next week, and I will bring those to you as well. Tomorrow on this show, I'm gone. I'm taking a break the rest of the week, as usual. Neil and Josh will wrap things up on uh, Thursday with Adrian and Coach. We might even have some mock results. I think they're going to be working on some dynasty stuff later in the week as well, which is good because, Brandon, you know how I feel about rookies. You don't like them. I don't like them. <laughs> Thank you. It's really the Groucho Marx uh, look on. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Uh, yeah, you will not be drafting Rui Hachimara. No, I will not. Um, and, ah, man, the Wizards. Good Lord. Maybe I should. <laughs> There's nobody on that damn roster. Beal will be the only one that ends up in the top 100. Sold. So, we there it is. We, need, we needed one. Well, wait a minute. Don't forget about hoopball prodigal son Thomas Bryant. Oh, yeah. Damn. That's true. Yeah. Two in the top 100. We got the Wizards. That's uh, We're a long way from the Wiz. But we did finish up the Northwest Division. So, next week, uh, we will head south to the whole bunch of teams in Texas and New Orleans. <laughs> that's the, it's the Texas League, effectively, in the NBA. Uh, 
Brandon, have a lovely week. Hey, you as well. Thanks, man. Uh, it's been Brandon Day, Ailment Day, and um, Altitude Day. Forgot what the third one was for a minute there here on Fantasy NBA today. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.